Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1509. Listening to the people you interact with pick up so much that it can lead to success. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. I'm revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest, Mark Steigerwald. He's calling in from Sacramento, California. Mike Steigerwald is the executive director at the California Automobile Museum in Sacramento. Their mission is to preserve, exhibit, and teach the story of the automobile and its influence on our lives. After graduate school, Mark interned at the International Motor Racing Research Center where he eventually became their director. Along the way, he got to meet some fascinating and generous people associated with all facets of the racing world, including the great late Dan Gurney and Phil Hill, Vic Elford, who's been a guest here on Cars Yeah, Sam Posey and Rusty Wallace, and many others. I've had the experience of visiting the California Automobile Museum, and it is indeed a very special place that you need to put on your bucket list. Regular listeners will recall the museum's curator, Carly Starr, was a guest here on Cars yeah, and She was also on my television series last year, Cars yeah TV, where I got to go to the museum and experience the place firsthand. So uh, if you're ever in the Sacramento area or make a special trip, it's well worth it. We'll be back in a minute to talk with Mark. But first, a word from our valued sponsors that make Cars yeah possible. We'll be right back. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you a Cars Yeah subscriber? If you're not, go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send you my free filler up book. It's a very cool book I created of fuel filler fun, some very cool imagery, and great quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get my weekly email follow-up and my weekly blog. Just go to carsyad.com, click on the free book button, and I'll send it to you right away. Thanks for subscribing. Hey, Mark, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am, Mark. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So before we jump into some of my questions, I want you to share one little thing about yourself that most people maybe don't know about Mark. Well, uh, I suppose it's probably my my love for jazz. Uh, I did used to play the trumpet years ago, but uh, I've been a, a, an avid collector of mostly CDs, but also vinyl in the jazz genre. 
And uh, whenever I can, that's what's, what you'll find in my CD player these days. Ah, very cool. You know, I listened to a guy on YouTube, uh, Beato, I think is his name. He's a musician, very talented. And I was just watching some of his videos last night. He was talking about the Dorian kind of music. And, and you got to look into that. You'll know it as a jazz guy. And he was playing some jazz music around the concept of the Dorian music. Uh, look that up online. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like soundtrack music for movies, uh, if you will. But um, I didn't know that it had some roots in the jazz genre, which was kind of interesting. So, uh, yeah, you just reminded me of that. So that's very, very cool. We got to get you get a horn back in your mouth and have you uh, blow some music for us here. I think that'd be kind of cool. It's, it's, it's been a while, but I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know I'm the same. I played guitar for years, and I, I need to pick it up more often. Uh, as I don't, I kind of start to lose a lot of those techniques. But uh, music is a great part of life. Well, let's start this off with a success quote or a mantra. Some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah, so Mark, grab the wheel. Well, I would say that uh, one of the things that has led to success for me over the years is just being able to sort of fine-tune the uh, the fine art of listening. Um, in most of my careers over, over the years, listening has played an important role. Uh, I was a fundraiser for Cornell University for a short time, absolutely instrumental in, in my su- success in my role there. But by uh, by just listening to the people you interact with, you pick up so much that can lead to success in, in all aspects of life. You make friends along the way. You learn things you never thought you uh, would otherwise, and uh, it's just a, a great way to uh, to spend time with people. You know, it, it's really, it's funny. Here's another weird coincidence. Just this morning, I was watching a short video about a process called mirroring, where when you're listening to somebody, you pick three words out of what they're telling you, and you say that back to them. And as a process, it helps you remember what they're telling you, but it also more fully engages them because they feel you're truly listening to them. And I'd never heard of the process. Have you ever heard of that mirroring? I have. It's a, it's a great technique because it, 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 it does show that you're engaged and, uh, and actively listening to, to what they're saying. Is it somewhat similar to a lot of people say, I have a hard time remembering somebody's name right after I meet them. And if I repeat it, it helps me remember their name. Is that the same process? I think it's similar. I think uh, any sort of mnemonic device uh, works as well, too. Uh, I think everyone uh, subconsciously, um, you know, if you you do have trouble remembering someone's name, you you come up with some means of doing so. But uh, certainly by uh, by repeating what they they say, uh, you help to uh, insert that into your memory. And uh, I think it probably adds to retention. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the deal with this, Mark? I have a hard time remembering people's names sometimes, but I always remember the car they drive. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's because you're dyed in the wool, as, as am I. It is, oh, I see. That's, yeah, I'll tell my wife, you know the guy down the street that drives the old uh, the old Hummer? She's like, yeah, that's John. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, whatever. But he drives an old gold Hummer, so that's how I remember who John <laughs> is. So, yeah, I have no problem with that, but I guess that's where my focus uh, lay. So, well, I would love for you to share a lot more about the California Automobile Museum. And as I mentioned in the beginning, I got to visit your museum. I got to spend an entire day there. I got to sit in your DeLorean, which was pretty cool. And Carly Starr, the curator there, she was so delightful. And I, you have a treasure in her. That lady has so much knowledge in her head. And the fact that she disclosed when she was a guest on the podcast here that she really wasn't much of a car person before she joined the museum, but she's a history fanatic. 
she taught me so much while I was there about the cars and things. So what can people expect to experience when they go to the California Automobile Museum in Sacramento, California? Well, uh, we've got a fantastic collection, uh, really all the way from the beginning of the industry, all the way through current times with EV technology. We have a replica 1886 Benz uh, patent wagon, uh, which is a fully functional, uh, running identical to the original. And uh, there's very few few of those in uh, in, in captivity. Uh, that's a, a running vehicle, and uh, we have a few. <laughs> we have some YouTube footage of the uh, one of our volunteers actually operating the. Uh, the patent wagon. Uh, and all the way through uh, the history of the automobile, you'll see different trends, say in styling, for example, or technology. Certainly we have, we, we cover the genres that most people know, cars from the 50s with uh, chrome and fins, as well as muscle cars. And along the way, there are very much, uh, the, it's the museum for the, for the common man, in a sense. So these are cars that most people have uh, familiarity with and uh, in history with uh, on a personal level. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating, and I had so much fun there. Now, you've not been there for a real long time. This is somewhat still a little bit of a new position for you. Kind of tell our listeners how you got into this, because you were doing something very different before. Uh, you still have been a car guy all your life, but this whole thing came up, and you came out from the East Coast, is that right, out to the West Coast to, to become the director for the museum? Yes, that's right. I was uh, living and working in upstate New York, which I, I, it was always has always been my home. And a friend told me about an opportunity out in Sacramento to uh, serve as the, at the helm of the uh, of the museum. And uh, through uh, a combination of factors, the fact that the museum has such a wonderful collection and is really uh, poised to, uh, I would say, enter the next stage of development, um, I couldn't, I could not, uh, not take the challenge. So I dropped everything, uh, threw all my belongings in a twenty-six foot Penske truck uh towed my uh, volkswagen gti 3000 miles to come out here and it's been a, a whirlwind uh, over the past 10 months but i i'm really enjoying every every minute of the time i'm uh, at the museum so let me ask you this coming from the east coast to the west coast the west coast of course being kind of the car mecca for so many things i mean is that something that uh, how have you transitioned into this because the East Coast versus right, very different lifestyles, different cultures, different everything. How have you uh, fallen into life out there in Sacramento? Well, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Obviously, there's, there's, uh, as you say, there's, there's quite a few differences between uh, Sacramento and upstate New York. Even though uh, I'm not a, a kid any longer, I still had visions of what California looks like uh, in my mind, and I did travel to California as uh, for business on several occasions, from from San Diego all the way up through to. Uh, uh, the Bay Area. However, you know, these these dreams they, they they might start when you're nine, ten years old, and you're thinking about hot rods and custom cars and uh, the industry out here. But uh, those those never really fade for some of us. A lot of that is that culture is alive and well. Certainly, Sacramento has its its roots in the custom car and hot rod uh, uh, industry all the way back to uh, uh, Harry Westergaard. That's all real tangible history. And of course, there seems to be a car show every every evening or every weekend. Back east, we have a our car show season begins in May and ends in October at the latest. So, no salt on the roads. Cars being driven in uh, on a daily basis that you know we wouldn't dream of uh, putting on the road in say December in upstate New York. But it's it's very much as I suppose I had thought uh, it might be like, uh, and, and even better. So great, uh, great, rich uh, uh, auto uh, automotive uh, culture here in Sacramento. 
Well, sometimes take a take a chance, take a risk, and uh, you never know what will end up. What's your favorite thing about uh, being the director at the museum there? Well, I suppose it would, it would have to do with the uh, interaction with uh, with our uh, guests and our exhibitors and uh, anyone who comes into the museum. It's fascinating to see people that have uh, traveled all the way from, say, uh, Montreal to, to see the museum. We were a destination for them. The museum is closed on Tuesdays, and one day I happened to be near the front desk, and there was a couple that wanted to come in, and I couldn't certainly turn them away. Um, and very stereotypical uh, tourists with uh, large cameras around their neck and uh, in wide eyes just to be able to see the collection. So I gave them a personal tour, oh, and wow. they were so nice. they were so uh, so receptive and uh, glad that uh, I was able to open the doors for them. So I think people make the difference in any any endeavor. So our visitors and our guests are, are wonderful, as are our volunteers and from our board, board, of the direct, board of directors all the way down through our, our staff. It's, uh, people, people do make the difference. Oh, absolutely. Well, that was a very nice thing for you to do. Well, let's take a look at some of these roads you've driven down in your life and your career and talk about a big challenge or, or even share a big failure that you faced. And more importantly, what was the lesson learned? So tell us how that experience, tell us what it was, but then tell us how that helped you gain even more momentum in your career and your life as you came out of that. I'm thinking of a, of a, a personal family situation and uh, sort of a difficult time in a personal life. And uh, my takeaway from all of that was uh, being all in and being focused. So to, as a distraction from a personal situation, I took it upon myself to do something I'd always wanted to do, and that's properly learn how to ride a motorcycle. Um, I had ridden dirt bikes when I was younger, but I did the what any adult would do that uh, you know, who who wasn't who knew he wasn't immortal, and that's take a motorcycle safety foundation course, talk to uh, those that, that that have been riding for years, buy the right bike, not too too fast, not right away, and uh, really approach it from the standpoint of uh, being all in. And that was that was my takeaway from that that experience. Uh, I, I haven't ridden in a, in a few years now, but uh, without uh, a full commitment and focus. I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much. It was a distraction in the right sense of the of the term to be able to uh, to do that. And I lost, uh, I suppose, a fear of being on two wheels, too, along with that. So a great experience. Yeah, that course is so valuable. I rode bikes like you did when I was young, dirt bikes, you know, motocross-type bikes and things like that. We'd go down to Mexico and camp and ride up and down the beach and the sand dunes. But I didn't ride on the streets. Well, maybe a few times, so don't tell my mom. Uh, but, uh, but late, much later than that, I decided to get into bikes again. And my wife kind of rolled her eyes and went, are you sure about this? And I took the Washington state uh, safety course and it was really valuable. I, you know, I kind of felt that I should because I hadn't been on bikes in a while and especially being on the street. And there were a few th- people the first weekend, it was over a course of a multiple weekends and they provided you bikes or you could bring your own, but I hadn't bought one yet. And I remember there was a lady there who seemed really gung-ho. She had her leather jacket, and she was all ready to go. And But she learned pretty quickly after the first weekend that was not the right thing for her. And all of us could kind of tell, this gal's going to kill herself. Um, I mean, she just shouldn't be doing this. And, you know, thankfully for her, she she really wanted to ride motorcycles, but she realized this isn't the right thing for me. So anybody out there who's thinking about riding, and especially today, that fact, that's why I stopped riding. It's just, it just became too dangerous. People are so inattentive these days uh, with their phones and so forth. And these, you know, the cars have gotten bigger and heavier. And 
but I did enjoy uh, riding for a couple of years and had some cool bikes. But that's a really important course to take. Even a driver's education course, uh, you know, is a good way. Go to a track day and uh, have some fun, but uh, learn some driving skills. Uh, there's certainly a lot of people out there that could, right? Yes, sir. I agree. Absolutely. Well, let's take a short break. Thank our sponsors, and we will be right back. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYEAH and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah. And I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah! podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah! website at com. If you're listening to Cars Yeah, you've probably spent some time working on your favorite ride. But how confident are you working on your finances? You may be able to rebuild a fuel injection system, but can you decipher the details of a mutual fund? If you're like me, investments, insurance, annuities, budgeting, and other financial concepts may seem a bit daunting. But what if I told you there's a book that describes these subjects and more in an easy-to-read and a very humorous way? My friend Chris Kimball, CFP, a longtime sponsor and past guest here on Cars yeah, has written that book, and it's titled The Saga of Ike and Penny, a couple's humorous journey through the confusing world of finance. It's a fun look at things you need to know, everything from investing to effective ways to get rid of credit card debt, and it's probably the only book on finance with a VMAX on the front cover and a classic Mini Cooper on the back. The book's available at Amazon for just $10, and this book will dramatically improve the direction of your financial future. I gave copies to each of my children. All securities are through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Christopher Kimball Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Get your copy, The Saga of Ike and Penny, today. All right, we are back, Mark. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars. Is there a a pivotal moment in your life and you knew that you were indeed a car guy? Well, I would say it was probably two experiences, or I should say two very special vehicles. One being a 1939 Dodge pickup. Uh, My grandfather was a cabinet maker and uh, a furniture maker in general and did all his deliveries in a 1939 uh, Dodge pickup. And this was in the early 70s. So it it was definitely an old vehicle then. I was probably all of five, six years old, but I uh, loved riding it, going on, going with him on deliveries. Concurrently, my father had a 1950 GMC pickup, and I just loved the design, those rounded fenders, and it was, we spent a lot of great times in both of those trucks. So it probably endeared me to industrial design first and foremost, and then sort of the mechanics came nat- uh, uh, later on when I had to work on my own cars, but. 
those were two important vehicles. And then uh, we had a local car show, so I look forward to that every June. And it was just an eye-opening experience. And um, so it's made me uh, addicted to any and all car shows these days. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) my formative years. The 39 Dodge pickup, if I remember, one of the things that makes that so unique is the front grill. Uh, The the slats in the hood, but also slats down on the lower portion of of like the fenders, if you will, below the headlights. And that thing is a, it's a really different looking kind of truck from that era. And when you think about some of the other designs, it almost looks like in some cases, and I remember seeing one at a show, I think it was at the LeMay Museum here near where I live, where it almost looked like a fire truck. It was in red and black, had black fenders and red body and just really a unique style for pickup trucks. Uh, a lot of the things are the, the cars are the same back from them, but I just remember the those lower slats uh, being very different, and and the grill up in the top part of the hood, that big giant hood that opens up. Am I thinking about the right truck? You you you, you nailed it. So I, I recall that, and uh, the headlights were freestanding on the fenders. Yeah, my, yeah. My, my grandfather's truck was two tone, uh, dark green and black. Oh, and it cool. was just a, a striking vehicle, and uh, uh, just just so much fun to to ride in. So it's uh, to this day, and I don't own one currently. I, I I love all old trucks from the from the 30s all the way through the probably through the late 50s. Well, how about a first special car for you? Is there a vehicle that really stands out that you you finally got? I know you said you towed your GTI; those are pretty cool. Uh, but how about a first car in your life that had great meaning? Well, probably that would be my 1967 Buick Wildcat. So that was the car I took to college, locally owned car. And um, the seller didn't want to sell it to me, uh, knowing that I would go from upstate New York to Buffalo because it had uh, it needed a tie rod end. And I didn't really know what that was at, at 16. I got underneath the car, fixed that. It was fairly rusty, but low miles. And, of course, you could fit yourself and uh, five or six other people in the car Terrible mileage, but a 430 cubic inch V8, and it just floated down the New York State Thruway at uh, at great speed, and just lots of great memories. So you, you always remember remember your first car. Uh, not it wasn't technically my first car, but that's the one I put the most miles on, and, and really learned how to. Uh, I got very intimate with uh, Rochester Quadrajet carburetors and went through a handful of those <laughs> while I was a college student. But uh, but all, all good memories. The Buick Wildcat. Now, did you have the Sport? version the the two-door or did they they made a two-door and a four-door in that right yeah so there uh, there were all body styles convertible sedan uh, this was a four-door hardtop which uh, sort of endeared me to that body style and it had a custom interior in it which i've seen only a few it shows over the years uh, a special brush aluminum panels on the door some other odd options it was just a it was just beautiful turquoise metallic vinyl uh with uh, tuck and roll seats and um even though it was just an just an old car and a used car back then. It was special to me, and uh, very rarely do you see that level of, of detail in interiors these days. Uh, but General Motors, of course, was at, at the, the top of its game in the mid-60s, so style, performance, they really had, you know, the Buick certainly had it all back then, and that was the first year of their of their brand-new V8, so plenty of torque as well as horsepower. Well, that car also didn't have a B-pillar, if I remember right. So when the windows are down, it was completely open. Exactly, and that's and that's in, in order to be a cool teenager, you rolled all four windows down <laughs> immediately, and that's the way you left it. Yeah, yeah. Plus, it had a wonderful line that went from the nose down the side of the car, kind of swooped down to the back. Those cars, I've seen a couple of them made into the the two doors, 
into hot rods or resto mods or things. And they're, they're massive. I don't think I'd want to have to polish and wax that car because there's, there's, there's a lot of metal on that car. It's like a battleship, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, de- definitely uh, special. I think you're the first one out of 1,509 people with a Buick Wildcat. That's pretty cool. And what a, what a name. I mean, you know, the marketers, uh, they definitely sold some cars just because of that name, I think, even though the car it doesn't really look like a Wildcat. You think of that being more of a sporty small car, but uh, the 60s, man, cars are big. So <laughs> That's true. Well, here's a bit of an introspective question for you, Mark. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle, what would you be? Well, yeah, that is an interesting question. I would almost describe myself as an early 50s Buick on one hand, but um, also perhaps more, I've always associated the Virgil Exner Chryslers with Jazz. And I would say something like a 59 DeSoto maybe maybe would be more accurate. So maybe maybe not the clean lines of a of a 300C, for example, from 1957, but more like a, a DeSoto Adventurer Fireflight or something like that. So I think that would be that would be fairly accurate. You know, that's kind of cool. Um, interesting. I, I like this question mainly because it's bizarre. Uh, so it makes people stop and think a little bit. But when you think of that DeSoto. I mean, the fins, and again, there's that line down the side of the car that the DeSoto had, uh, which was kind of cool. Um, dual headlights, and I just, but the way that that line that went down the side shot up in the back to accentuate that fin coming up, and those, I think there were triple tail lights in the back of those cars. That's kind of cool. Well, you're a cool jazz dude, so <laughs> I think that makes some sense. There you go. All right, we are entering what I call the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and have you give us some quick blips of that DeSoto throttle answer. So here we go. What's one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Well, I suppose it's uh, in addition to the to the listening, um, I would say follow through more than anything. If someone presents you with something, a request or a question or something like that, it's an entree into an interaction, if you will. So it's a, it's important to to follow through on whatever someone is requesting of you. I, I guess I guess it boils down to customer service at the end of the day. Sure. Perhaps a lost art in some <laughs> in some areas, but it's a, it's a, it's an important important component. Yeah, absolutely. How about if I could arrange for you to have a a meal or a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased? Who would it be? I always wanted to have a drink with Paul Newman, uh, probably because he became a, a racing driver late in life. And I only, I, I don't, I can't say if I ever met him, but I saw him at Watkins Glen in the uh, paddock. Uh, one of the last years he was, he was still driving a Corvette, as I recall. I always wanted to, to meet him, shake his hand and know that I, I, I respected him as an actor, but of course, as most people know, he was PL Newman when he was driving and just sort of talk about, uh, life experiences yeah so right. I, I probably had that scenario yeah. Yeah. yes he did <laughs> oh my gosh you know and, and the fact that the the legacy lives on you go to any grocery store and there's all these paul newman food items with his face on there so uh it's pretty spectacular but yeah race car driver he was and he was a great driver too uh he was, you know, was yeah kind of like uh steve mcqueen and some of the others uh garner uh james garner who became a race car driver so and it's pretty cool. How about the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, uh, when I was uh, turning my own wrenches back when you could on your own on your own cars, um, <laughs> I think probably the best advice that was passed on to me was to keep everything clean, uh, everything from a carburetor to a wheel bearing, sort of the, the stereotype of the 
the greasy mechanic isn't really true if you want, um, you know, you want quality repairs. So I really took that to heart and one small grain of sand in a, uh, you know, in a carburetor float bowl, for example, could, uh, you know, could really ruin your day. But, um, yes, (laughs) that was, that was good advice. (laughs) Well, I, you know, you can always tell a great mechanic by looking at his toolbox, looking at his workbench. Um, so many, uh, yeah, it's that old misnomer of grease monkey or whatever. Uh, where they're just kind of sloppy and messy really is not that true. Uh, the great mechanics are not that way. How about a, a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? Is there one that you found really helpful? Well, uh, certainly online, there is just no end. So you're talking about automotive specifically. Well, it could be automotive, could be an app you use, could it be a podcast you like, could be a website, a supplier, could even be a person in your life. Well, um, from the standpoint of, of history, and I have no direct affiliation, but there's a website, coachbuilt.com, which is a treasure trove of information that I, I frequently go to for information on um, all things design, individual designers, as well as coach builders. That's a terrific resource. Like you, probably, I never tire of looking at uh, anything automotive-related online, and it's uh, there's, there's, there's no end to the internet as far as, as, far as automotive uh, sources. It's absolutely incredible. How about a book? Is there a book you've read you'd like to share? Well, there there are so many. Uh, again, automotive and, and non-automotive. It's almost a cliche, but Go Like Hell has, was a, a tremendously influential book to me because it was while I was considering um, getting back into my uh, an automotive career in some uh, some way, I was on a flight from uh, uh, New York to L.A., read the whole book. And as we all know, it became a movie and uh, last year. And um, as others have said, you read the book, it sounds like a screenplay. And, you know, the rest is history at this point. Yeah. A.J. Bain, the author of Go Like Hell, has been a guest on this show a couple times now. He has a new book that just recently came out. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, definitely a cool book. A.J. has written some really interesting books. The Arsenal of Democracy was another wonderful book that related World War II to uh, – uh, the Ford Motor Company, which was fantastic. So, uh, but go like hell. That's got to be probably one of the second or third most recommended books here on Cars. Yeah, and well deserved. You can find all these great resources on Mark's show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Mark Steigerwald. I'll spell his name for you S T E I G E R W A L D, and that page will pop right up. All right, Mark, we're up to the checkered flag here, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet to park in your garage for you to enjoy, but there are a couple rules. One of them is it's the only collector car you can have. I want you to drive it, so no garage queen, so pick something that you'd enjoy going out on the road, and you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with, so that little trick is off the table. So if you pick an expensive car, you got to live with it. So what's it going to be? Well, I might as well pick my dream that I've I've had since uh, I was in my 20s, okay. back when they were almost, almost affordable. And that would be uh, a Lamborghini Mira SV. Very practical, of course, as you know, and, <laughs> and finicky and fragile. But from the standpoint of, of beauty, balance, performance, or at least promised performance, it would be difficult to top. It would be it, that would that would be near the top. So yes, very practical. Yeah. Why, why not go all the way? Uh, why not just have some fun? <laughs> as long as Mark's footing the bill here. Well, you know that car has got to be one of the most beautiful cars ever made. I think when Lamborghini came out with that, because the first cars they built, I don't know, they they weren't to me. I don't really care for the designs of the the original first Lamborghinis, but when they came out with this one, 
Oh my gosh. I mean, it's just stunning. And I had the really cool pleasure of driving one years ago, a guy who had restored the car himself and brought it by my office and let me take it for a drive. And it was just delightful and so cool. And the motor is, you know, the engine's like right behind your head, a couple inches away, which is pretty cool. And you can hear everything going on. And I don't know, even when the car is opened up, those clamshells, the front and back and the doors, everything about the Mira is just, ah, it's wonderful. And so many of them came in really wild color combinations, which makes it even more cool. What would you like yours to color-wise? Well, probably probably orange. At Monterey this year, there were, I think, three or four side-by-side and just all stunning. And I had never seen so many Miras together but orange seems to fit the car's personality just sort of outrageous and uh it adds to that look at me factor so it's pretty much all things automotive in in one vehicle yeah in in my mind marcello Marcello gandini at bertone i mean that guy (laughs) hit a home run when he designed that car uh it's just super special i would love to pick one of those up and deliver that to you there in sacramento i might have to take the long way there but uh that was pretty darn cool. Well, Mark, you've taken me on a fun ride. This has been great. Please say hello to Carly Starr, your curator for me. Again, she treated me to a delightful day when I was there shooting an episode of Cars Yeah TV, and I got to be at the museum and experience it. Really great place. I encourage our listeners, if you're anywhere in that part of the world, or make a special trip, it's really, really worth it. It's a great museum, has a very different, unique feel to it, and the people there are absolutely fantastic. Before I let you go, Could you offer us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive out, let's say, to Lake Tahoe in that Lamborghini Mira SV? (laughs) Yes. Well, I'd say stay humble and keep an open mind and an open heart to uh, adventure. That is another great piece of advice I was given years ago. Get out of your comfort zone and uh, really, really embrace life. A little bit of a cliche, but uh, I certainly did that 10 months ago. And and I don't, don't regret this decision one, but yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Take a chance. Try something different. You never know where you'll end up. Again, you can find the California Automobile Museum at calautomuseum.org. You can go and check it out, uh, see what they've got there. And again, if you're in the Sacramento area or anywhere near there, it's worth a trip. Mark, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your life with us. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners. This is Mark Green. If you love the Cars Yeah podcast, I have something new for you. I've teamed up with Keith Martin, a collector car market expert and the editor of Sports Car Market Magazine to create the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast. Buy, Sell, Hold is the essence of collecting. Together, we take you on an educational ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so you know when to buy, sell, hold. We talk with seasoned experts, who buy, sell, and hold investment vehicles, and they'll share their insider secrets on how they make their buying decisions when it comes to making these important investments. You'll find the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast on the Cars yeah! website, on the Sports Car Market website, and if you're a podcast app subscriber to Cars yeah! Buy, Sell, Hold will come right to your mobile device, just like the Cars yeah! podcast, automatically. Join Keith Martin and me on a great new venture on the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!